Our first reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20, and this can be found on page 1177 of your Bibles. Ephesians 6, verse 16, verse 18, sorry. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fiercely make known to the mystery, the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, fearlessly, as I should. Gospel reading. You'll find up on the screen behind me or uh, page 1041. I do recommend that you uh, open the gospel, actually. It, which are you preaching from, Ephesians or? First. First, okay. Well, you can watch this one, but then turn up the, uh, the Ephesians. Um, I'll give you the page number again for that um, because uh, it's really good having that in front of you as Rod is preaching. Okay, so page 1041. Luke 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and every place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Amen. So if you'd just like to turn back to um, Ephesians. Chapter 6, you'll find that on page 1177. I'm just going to finish with the last words that Jeanette read, because we can use these for Rod now. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Declare the word of God to us, Rod. Thank you. A mission is not just relief work. I think there's a lot of confusion. People think that uh, going to help poor people 
um, is what God sends us to do. That is not what God sends us to do. That might be part of what uh, mission work involves and certainly has been part of our uh, mission work in Japan. But mission work is first and foremost telling the gospel. And this was um, clearly brought home to me when we were distributing relief goods to people and helping them. And the church has done tremendous work over there, the church as a whole, I mean. Uh, a huge number of American carpenters came out and uh, repaired about 600 homes that had been damaged by the tsunami for free, for free. And then uh, the uh, large number of um, donat- the donations came to a vast amount of money, and the, uh, the church has been giving this um, to people and helping them in their need. And what's the response you get? Oh, thank you very much. The next thing people often say is, you're wonderful people. What do we say when somebody says that to us? Do we say, thank you? As soon as we say that, we take the praise for ourselves. And we become, and we end up preaching an anti-gospel, that we are better people, that we are somehow Uh, It's in our genes and in our nature to do this kind of thing because we are just built different to other people. And that is wrong. I am not better than any of them, and neither are you. The only difference between me and them is I'm forgiven, and I love Jesus, and that's why I'm doing it, out of obedience to him and out of love for him and because I want to honor him. And so as soon as I say to people, no, we're not better than you, we're exactly the same. I might even be worse, but Jesus has forgiven me, and I'm doing this because uh, he sent me, and it's a pleasure to serve him. Then immediately the atmosphere changes, and I'm down on their level, and I'm able to share with them uh, the good news of the gospel. And so mission is not relief. Mission might include relief, and it has in our case but it is primarily telling the gospel, and that's what Paul is praying for in this passage. He's asking for prayer. Um, Do you pray for your minister? Uh, Do you pray for missionaries you support or Christian workers you know? What is the point of sending missionaries far and wide all over the place at great expense if they're too timid to tell the gospel? It's really important that you pray for everybody in ministry. Uh, that they have boldness to tell the gospel. It's really important for me. It's probably my number one need. And I think uh, looking around at at other missionaries and other pastors and stuff, it's their number one need. And Paul was not shy enough to say it's his number one need. Um, Paul wrote to the Ephesians during his first Roman imprisonment around AD 60. He was in chains, perhaps chained to a guard, And as a result, the whole Praetorian Guard knew that his imprisonment was for Christ. He was waiting to defend himself before Nero, that evil Roman emperor. And uh, if we know anything, it was from his example, Paul viewed that as an opportunity to tell Nero the gospel. He had done so before a Jerusalem mob. He had done it before the Roman tribune. He had done it before Governor Felix and Festus and King Agrippa, and he was certainly looking forward to doing it in front of Nero. Now, in this passage that we, we sort of joined um, at the end, uh, from actually verse 12, which we didn't read, or verse 10 that we didn't read, for that whole passage is about spiritual warfare. It's talking about uh, the Christian at, at war. And 
Paul tells the um, Ephesians that their enemies, their real enemies, are not the human enemies who persecute them, tempt them, slander them, try to mislead them, but against numerous, powerful, invisible demons. And these demons who control so much of the world's thinking are attempting to destroy them. And their main method of attack is through temptations which are lies. All temptations are lies, by the way. And uh, uh, Paul tells the Ephesians that they must put on this spiritual armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, to be able to stand against these attacks. And we don't have time to look at those uh, individual things, but they're different aspects of the same gospel, which is the only defense you have against Satan's temptations. And so to know the gospel, to be convinced of it, and to walk daily in, in the light of the gospel, believing it, is the way to be safe. But then Paul says, pray. He asks them to pray in verse 18, in the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Sorry, I'm reading from the ESV, which is maybe slightly different words, but almost exactly the same, I expect. Very intense, very, 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 um, um, look at these, all occasions, all kinds of prayers, always for all the saints. Christians must be prayerful people all the time and intensely prayerful. Why such intensity? Well, that's not difficult, is it? If our, if our spiritual enemies are, if our enemies are spiritual enemies, if they're demons, then the only way to cope with them is by God's strength, which is greater than ours, and therefore we need to pray. The devil's spiritual attacks of many kinds and from many angles against all Christians, the leaders, the new in the faith, the weak and the strong, day and night, and with varied strength and with different subtlety, and therefore we need to pray. And then Paul narrows down, okay, he's had this whole teaching of spiritual warfare, of uh, this these demons that are trying to um, attack us all the time and how we need the spiritual armor and how we should always pray. And then he narrows down to one prayer request, which must be really important. And you can guess what it is because I've mentioned it already. <clears throat> but um, what could it be? Think of the things that Paul has prayed for in other letters or in Acts of the Apostles where you see some of his prayers recorded. Um, he prayed for King Agrippa's conversion. He prayed for the safety of his shipmates. He prayed to be able to visit Rome. He prayed for the conversion of the Jews. He prayed for the growth of the Corinthians, the enlightenment of the Ephesians, for the Philippians' growth in grace, the sanctification of the Thessalonians, and the spread of the gospel. So with that list, incomplete list as a reference, he could have put many prayers in that place, and they would all be in biblical, um, will of God type prayers but he doesn't. He puts something else. He puts one prayer as a focus for all this spiritual battle, something that is so important to him. <clears throat> he asks for prayer for himself. Well, that's interesting. Okay. It's not selfish to pray for yourself, not when it's this prayer. It's not his for his protection or for his release, but it's that he might speak the gospel with boldness. And I'm sorry it's tedious, but the NIV translation is a little bit um, wrong here. It says fearlessly. 
Actually, the word is boldly. Fearlessly means that you don't have any fear, which is a very sort of dull way of saying it. I mean, a stone doesn't have any fear, but a stone isn't bold. Okay, there's a difference. Um, the Apostle Paul prays for boldness. <clears throat> and uh, that is what is really the uh, key to spiritual warfare. You see, it's not just prayer. Spiritual warfare and dealing with uh, Satan's attacks is not just prayer. It is, it is preaching of the gospel that is well watered by prayer and in the whole atmosphere of prayer. Let's look at it in verse 19 and 20. And also for me, that my words, sorry, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What does Paul mean exactly? Well, it seems that he's praying for two things. First of all, the words to speak, and then boldness to say them. But actually, he's praying for one thing. He says, if only God would put the words in his mouth, then he will be bold. So Paul is praying here to be clear. And in the parallel passage in Colossians, he asks, he, he, he prays that he will be able to tell the gospel clearly. There's a relationship between boldness and clarity. The person who's timid, who's not bold, well, how do they speak? Well, they go round and round at circles, and you're scratching your head, you can't really understand them. But the bold speaker is impossible to misunderstand because they're clear. Okay? So clarity and boldness go together. Boldness is not just being, well, it's not certainly not being rude. It's not even being loud. It's not being extrovert, necessarily. Boldness is clearly and with conviction and with passion and with love telling people what they need to hear in order that they may be saved for their own good, not for the self-protection of the person who's speaking or anything like that. It's entirely for the glory of God, for the good of those who hear. So we should pray um, for, our, uh, for, for ministers. We should pray for um, uh, missionaries. And actually, we should pray for ourselves because we all have uh, relatives. We all have neighbors. We all have people um, next to our desk at work or you know, in, our, in our school who... Um, we can only reach, and our minister and our missionary won't be able to reach them. And surely this is something we should pray for. If this is so important to Paul that he asks the Ephesians to pray for it, then surely why don't we pray for it? It should be one of our top priorities. Instead, it's something we hardly ever even think of. And Paul asks particularly, and this is interesting, to um, but boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Okay. Um, is that what it says in NIV? Yes, mystery of the gospel. Now, why is, why is the gospel called a mystery? Is it like Sherlock Holmes or Ag Agony Christie, as we sometimes call it? Um, <clears throat> a mystery is, in, in that kind of sense, means something that you have to figure out and wait for the, wait for the conclusion at the end. But a mystery in the Bible is something that you only know after God's revealed it. You cannot know it by figuring it out or research or deduction. A mystery is something that is revealed. It's not something that's hidden now or should be hidden. It 
It's something that God has revealed, and it's a mystery that's um, uh, uh, revealed and therefore must be preached. So it's not a secret, but it is a mystery. And because it's a mystery, it must be explained clearly. You cannot explain one of God's mysteries partially and expect people to figure out the rest. And that's what we often do. We say, oh, God is love. Or we say, believe in Jesus, and everything will be all right. That's giving a partial gospel. That's just giving a, two, that's giving a little bit. It's not enough. It has to be clear. It has to be full. And you look at uh, Paul preaching the gospel or Peter doing it. They give enough so that people can respond in faith. And uh, so the, the gospel must be... Um, because it is a mystery, it must be declared clearly, boldly, passionately, repetitively, and not submerged in a sea of distractions. While the Holy Spirit may use the most inadequate evangelism, we cannot expect him to bless our timidity. And so Paul's gospel is this. He preached Jesus Christ as Lord. That's his smallest summary. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. He expands that. In another passage, he said, For I decided to know nothing among you. Okay, this is, what he, this is what he really preached. Nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So it was Jesus Christ as Lord, as the Lord who had been crucified. He goes on and says it somewhere else. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So he explained the cross, he explained Jesus Christ as Lord, but there's another element, he publicly portrayed it. In other words, the people who listened, and the Galatians in this case, when they heard Paul preaching, it wasn't just facts, it was facts applied to them, that they had to repent, that they had to believe, that Jesus died for them, that they might have eternal life. And so, uh, with the eye of faith, it was like Jesus was... Um, on the cross in front of them, and they believed. And that's what Paul was passionate about, and that's what Paul prays for boldness to be able to tell. Now, Christians do get passionate, don't they? They get passionate about a whole lot of secondary issues. And every time I come back, well, actually hasn't happened this time, but um, almost every time, and I noticed it a, f you know, a few years ago, that um, we were away for longer than like five years at a stretch, Christians would be passionate about a different subject. I'll give you some. Some of them, your ears will prick up. Some of them, your ears will droop. But, for example, um, nuclear disarmament, trade justice, anti-gay marriage, abortion, recycling, you know, pacifism. Um, maybe this is one of your issues, you know, that you're really passionate about. Or that maybe it's something else, and I'm kind of out of date, so it probably is something else. <clears throat> but that, to get passionate about those is not boldness because there are people in the world who are not Christians who will um, be passionate about those things too. The only thing that puts you completely out of the pale as far as the world is concerned is to preach Jesus Christ as Lord. That makes you crazy and for that you need boldness. And we need to make the Apostle Paul's prayer our own. <clears throat> it's interesting here, he says, for which I am an ambassador in chains. What an irony. An ambassador is somebody who's sent on great authority. Okay. Ambassador uh, for Christ is somebody who's sent on the highest authority, and yet he's in chains. <clears throat> uh, 
And so he prays for boldness, that, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak or as I should. <clears throat> Why does Paul pray for this? Um, this passage in Ephesians was written after Acts had ended. Okay? So you have the whole of the history of Acts before Paul saying this. And so, um, surely, I mean, this guy's bold. Why is he praying for it? He had so many experiences because he doesn't trust in his previous experiences. And if he doesn't, neither should we. Also, Paul had tremendous moral courage. Um, it's, it's easy to show that Paul went to Jerusalem after he was converted with the aim of witnessing to the Jews there that he had been a persecutor and now he was a Christian and Jesus was the Christ and he didn't expect to live very long. But Paul said, uh, sorry, Jesus said, go to the Gentiles. And so he did. But he had plenty of moral courage. He was willing to lay down his life in Jerusalem, no problem. And so this man, with tremendous background of boldness already, tremendous moral courage, his main prayer request is that he will still be bold. I find that powerful. And if he prayed for it, then I certainly do. And uh, I, I certainly need it. <clears throat> and also, as one last thing, the last couple of words in our passage, as I should. You know, we pat ourselves on the back when we say anything for God. When we invite people to church, we think, wow, that was a good day, you know. But Paul would have criticized himself rigorously if he had left anything out, okay? As I should, the Apostle Paul says. So his standards are so much higher than ours. So that's really all I'm going to say today. But just one last thing, and I can't resist it. How did it work out for the Apostle Paul? And he asked the Ephesian church, the whole church, to pray for him. And I'm sure he asked other churches, and I'm sure he prayed every day. How did it go before Nero? Well, he says this, At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. So he was by himself. All the other Christian workers, they didn't want to show up on that day. He was by himself. It's always harder to be bold when you're by yourself. It's always better in a group. And that's why churches are such good things. <clears throat> then he goes on, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. So the Lord was with him. And he was bold. The lion's mouth is not Nero. The lion's mouth is Satan. Okay? He didn't fall into temptation. He didn't fail on the evil day. He won the spiritual warfare. God gave him strength. God answered the Ephesians' prayer, and he was able to declare it boldly as he ought to have. Um, may God do the same for us. And if you are not sure that you're a believer, then there's nothing more important that you make right with God today, that you believe in Jesus as your Savior, that you recognize your sins, and that you just own up to them. <clears throat> you don't confess your sins to people here. You confess your sins to the Lord, and he will forgive you for Jesus' sake. Um, make sure that you're right with God. Don't go out into the darkness without making sure that great transaction's done and that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, and that if you died tonight, you'd have eternal life. But let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we bow down before you. We thank you for 
um, those in time past who boldly passed the gospel on um, and eventually that it came to us, that somebody prayed for us, that somebody um, uh, came across the street, as it were, to um, buttonhole us and invite us to church or uh, spoke clearly to us and prayed for us. And we pray that we'll be faithful to those who are not yet saved that we meet every day. Help us, Lord, not to be concerned about our own interests, but to um, uh, be bold with the gospel, as the Apostle Paul was. So please, Lord, uh, you have the Holy Spirit that you strengthened him with. Now, Lord, we pray that the same Holy Spirit will strengthen us and empower us and fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Give us a sight of eternity. Um, make us absolutely convinced in the truth of the gospel and give us peace, uh, sure that if we died, um, we would go immediately into your arms. Give us that assurance of salvation and send us out to work and serve you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.